Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our group's pastor, John Shaw. Good morning, Northridge. You are the hearty ones, right? When they were talking last night, we were texting about uh, what do we do if we have to cancel church? My Colorado brain went to, why would we cancel church? I don't, I don't understand this. It didn't even get below freezing. What's going on here, guys? Come on now. You guys just need to toughen up. The thing is, I, I went to school in Tennessee, and so I know what it's talking about. We, you, your hills, it's your hills that are the problem. If that uh, backside ice is up, you go over, you're just flying along, you just slide all the way down right into the hill. I did that, actually. I was delivering pizza once, and I slid all the way down. So I get it. I get it, guys. I forgive you. But hey, let me just say, are you guys still like floating on air? Are you like watching the interception like every day, right? Can I, can I just say you're welcome? Ever since I moved to Georgia, the Braves have won the World Series. The Bulldogs, yeah, yeah. The Bulldogs won national championship. So yeah, you're welcome. Somebody asked me about the Falcons. I'm not a miracle worker. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. I don't know about that. But I love the sermon series that we're in for. Like so often the world talks about what the world, what the church is against. Like Christians are against everything. Like I remember my parents, like growing up, some of you older people in here, uh, like me, uh, might remember the phrase, you know, uh, don't uh, drink, dance, what is it, drink, smoke or chew, and don't go with girls who do. Like yeah, like I, I grew up with that. I think my parents would add like dancing and cards, you know. Like this is what I, we grew up with. The church is against everything, right? But I love this series because the church, Jesus, is for so much. He is for you. He is for your best interest. He is for so much. And so I love that we're talking about this. So far, uh, we've talked about joy and authenticity. And today, I get to talk about community. Like, this is, like, my sweet spot. Like, I love community. And I know what a lot of you are thinking about. Like, this right here is community. Um, But this isn't quite what I'm talking about. Like, don't get me wrong, I love the Sunday gathering. Like, I love this. This is important. It's important for us to come together, to hear a word. It's important for us to, to worship and sing together. But this is just the start. Like, this is just the beginning of what God has for you in regards to community. You need something that goes deeper, a place where you can dive into what you hear from this moment, and you can put it into action. You have people that will challenge you to put it in action. And when you say, man, the sermon challenged me to do this, like, okay, did you do it? Like, that's the community I'm talking about, that that Christ is for. And there's something that Jesus said that I want to spend some time on. Um, And listen carefully to this, because it's profound. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Like, wow, Jesus, duh. Everybody knows, like, troubles are going to come, right? This is never going to be found on one of those inspirational t-shirts, right? It's not going to be on a mug that you drink. Like, come on, Jesus, you're such a buzzkill. But, like, this, this is important. And the Greek actually reads a little bit more emphatically. Like, if I were to translate, like, straight word for word what it would be, it'd sound more like this. Impossible it is to not face a stumbling block in this life. 
Like it almost sounds like Yoda, right? Impossible it is, but here's the thing. In Greek, they're, they're, their rules are a little bit different than ours. And they would emphasize at the beginning of their sentence what's most important. So what Jesus is emphasizing here is the impossibility it is for you to go through life and not experience a stumbling block. And it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. And you are so spiritual. It doesn't matter how smart you are. And you are so smart. It doesn't matter how much Bible you know. And some of you know way more Bible than I do. It doesn't matter. All of things don't, doesn't matter. You are going to face something that's going to cause you to stumble in this life. If at some point in your life when you are not prepared for it, it will come. At least, at very least, make you think about giving up on God. All of you know these things that I'm talking about. It could have been ideas. You went off to college, and your worldview was shattered by these different ideas that professors put in your mind, right? And you just kind of stumbled out of going to church. Maybe you moved, and you got new friends, and when you said, hey, let's go to church, like, church, why would you, why would you go to church? And so you just kind of stopped going. Maybe as a relationship. You might have always been that person, like, God and I are so close. Like, we're, I'm never going to have any problems with God. And, and then that person came along. You became so infatuated, right? And you just stopped going to church. You stopped talking to God. You know what a, another one is wealth? Like money. Like, they say that money is so deceptive, Right? So deceptive. You think that you have to be smart to make money. All of us know that that's not true. You just have to go on TikTok, right? All these people are so dumb. And they're making so much money. And then you know all these smart people that have nothing, right? Wealth is so deceptive. The problem with wealth is it brings too many options. It brings so many options. Problem with poverty is it brings no options. Problem with wealth is it brings too many. Stumbling block. What if it's a hard time? Lost your job. Somebody gets sick and dies. Like, God, where are you? Why, why did this happen to me? And you just kind of stumble out of your relationship with God. They attack our faith. God is saying it is impossible for us to go through life and not encounter things like this. And every single one of us has that thing that if we're just not prepared for it, the wrong season of life that happens to us, we're done. And here's where I get to community, because it is so important. It is so easy for us to stumble out of church. It is so easy, because here's the thing, looking in this room, like if you weren't here, there's a lot of people not here, and I don't know who they are. It is so easy to stumble out of praying, reading your Bible. Those are habit things. But here's the thing, it is hard, it is hard to stumble out of community. It is hard to stumble out of community. It is very difficult because these people are relationally invested in you. They know when you are not there. They know when you are not connected. And it's almost like family. It's almost like family except for this. Like kids, when you mess up, do you tell your parents? No. Like the last person, husbands, wives, when you make a mistake, something's wrong, Who's the first person you're going to go to? It's not your spouse. It's not, it's not your family, right? You don't want to admit to them. So you need people that are relationally connected to you in a way that is, that is sound, that are friends, that is structured community, because it is hard to stumble out of community. 
You all know Solomon, right? He was the the third king of Israel about 3,000 years ago, and he is the smartest dumb guy there ever was. Like you know, he wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, most of our wisdom literature. But Solomon was like the poster child of what happens to you when you don't take Solomon's advice, right? Parents, like, we all know we do this too, right? How many times were you yelling at your kids, hey, don't do this? Like, but you do it. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Do as I say, not as I do, right? That works so well for us. So we're going to give Solomon a little bit of break, right? But here's what he said. Two are better than one. Like, this is incredible. 3,000 years ago, two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. This is incredible insight from 3,000 years ago. They knew the law of increasing return. That when you put two people together, they can have as much output as three people. Did you know that if you put two oxen together, they can pull four times the weight of just one oxen? Right, that's, that's the, the law of return, in, in, increasing return. Some people call it the law of synergy. Like you and I, when we get into group, it brings synergy. Community brings synergy. Community brings synergy. Like, you may not know this about me, but I love, like, statistics, like numbers. Like, everybody else when I was in high school, they hated statistics class. I loved it. Like, I love seeing how people uh, relate to one another and, and the, the numbers. And so for some of you, uh, my, my left brain friends in here, I guess it's right brain friends in here, this is going to connect with you. But I want to give you some stats that show you the difference between being involved in church without a group and involved in church with a group. Because here's the thing, synergy, groups bring synergy. And, and this is from Ed Stetzer and Eric Geiger. They, they wrote transformational groups. But let's pop that up there. I intentionally spend time with other believers in order to help them grow in their faith. For those who just attended church and were not in a group, only 22% of them did that. Whereas if they were in a group, 63% were likely to do that. I have developed significant relationships with people in my church. 57% to 89, almost 90% of people in a group are going to do that. I'm intentionally putting my spiritual gifts in use, serving God and others. 42% to 73, I intentionally try to get to know new people I meet at church. 37 to 67%. Throughout the day, I find myself thinking about biblical truths. 45 to 74%. And then spiritual disciplines. These are um, kind of some of the best metrics we have for measuring somebody's like spiritual growth, how they're growing with Christ. Read the Bible, like the most basic one. If you are not in a group, only about 27% of you are going to be regularly reading a Bible whereas 67% of you are. That's a 40-point change. Almost two, it's more than two times more likely to do that. Pray for my church and or church leaders. Like, this one's important. As a church leader, I need you praying for me. So if for no other reason, I want to get you in a group so that you're praying for me, right? Because the church needs it. The church needs your prayers. But seriously, 30 to 64%. Do you see the difference? Studying the Bible, this is different than just reading. This is like going deep into the Bible. 10% uh, to 42%. Praying in a group with other Christians, 7% to 36%. This one I don't understand because in our groups, like I think they should all be praying together. Uh, that should be like 100% uh, at, at some point. But praying for fellow Christians, I know, 54 to 82%. Like you see all of these. I'll let you read the rest. There is almost a, a doubling effect when you are in a group the synergy of being together changes how you interact with God. Uh, 
Andy Stanley, you might have heard of him. He's from a little church north of here, North Point. Um, he's, he says, circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. Why? Because like here, you looking at me, like that's cool, but you're not going to do much with it, right? When you get into a circle with people and you talk about what's going on in your life, you talk about what happened in your group and what you took from the sermon and you have accountability for it, it gives you investment. Like you invest into the group, they invest in you and you see synergy. You see transformation in your life and in those around you. It makes all the difference. But Solomon wasn't done yet. He went on and said, if they fall down, they can help each other up. I'm, I'm from Colorado, so we know you never go hiking by yourself. You never go out into the wilderness by yourself. Why? You fall into a hole, you break your leg, you get hurt. By yourself, you're done for. If you have somebody there with you, they can help you. They can, they can pick you up out of the hole. They can carry you. They can help you, help you with your broken leg, whatever. They can at very least go get help. You never, ever go hiking by yourself. And he continues, pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Now, most of the, the most difficult phone calls I get at the church are when somebody calls and says, oh, my 16-year-old, they're running around. They're not listening to me. Oh, I'm struggling with this, and I have no idea where to turn. Do you know what? Majority, almost all of the phone calls we get of people here at the church are from people who are not in a group. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from somebody, man, I was going through this hard time. Like, I didn't even know. It's like, yeah, I told my group, and they took care of me. My group was there for me. So here's the thing. As much as I love you, and I love you, I can't be there for you 24-7. As much as Adam and Mike and the rest of the staff want to be there for you 24-7, we cannot. Like, we love you, but we cannot. But when you are in a group of people that are connected to you and care for you, that is where you get the care and the challenging that you can get, can't get anywhere else. That's why when I hear people say, I don't have time for this. I have school. I have, I have sports. I don't have time for this. You need this. Like from every aspect, you need to be in community because when you stumble, when, not if, when you stumble and you fall, the last thing that you will want will be the thing that you need the most. The last thing you will want will be the thing that you need the most. Because when you fall, you're going to say, man, I don't want to get up. I'm just going to wallow here in my despair I don't want anybody to talk to me. I, I can't fall any further than I already am, so I'm just going to stay down here because it's safe. You need a community of people that are going to come around you and say, I'm not going to allow you to stay in your disconnectedness. I'm not going to allow you to wallow in your despair. And they're going to pick you up and they're going to care for you in meaningful ways. You need this. And when you need it, you're not going to seek it out. You have to have it in place before you need it. Because you, you might not need it now, but at some point, you will need it. And that's why you have to invest now for the future. Because pity the person, pity the person who, when they fall, has no one to pick them up. Let me, let me put it another way. And this isn't going to resonate with all of you, but some of you will. Could you imagine the difference when you were a kid? 
Could you imagine the difference if your parents, they were talking about splitting up, and they had people that came around them and said, hey, we're not going to let you give up on your marriage. We're going to pay for your counseling. We're going to babysit your kids while you go to that retreat. What if you had people that came around you and said, I don't care if you're giving up on your marriage. We're not. We're going to fight for your marriage. Could you imagine the difference that would have made in your parents' lives, in your life? Don't you want that for your kids? Let me put it another way. Could you imagine if your ex-spouse, when, when they said, hey, I'm going to go out party and drinking. They had friends, a group of Christian believers that came around them and said, hey, you don't need to be doing that. We're going to hang out with you. We're going to care for you, but that's not okay. Like, what if they had the influences around them that helped them make the better choices then? How much different would that be for your life today? I'm not saying groups are going to fix everything. I know, I know they're not going to fix everything, but I've seen them fix a lot, guys. I have seen marriages restored. I have seen people on the brink of giving up on God come back to the stronger faith than they've ever had before. Jesus surrounded himself by 12 people. There were thousands of people that wanted to be with him. He chose 12, and he invested in them, and they literally changed the world. Like, don't you, don't you want that for yourself? This is something that you need to clear your calendar for. Because, and this is, this is our sermon in a sentence. Community is for you. Community is for you. In every single aspect of the way that you can think about this, community is for you. It's for your care. It's for your accountability. It's for you. It's for when, when you struggle and you fall for somebody to pick you up. Community is for you. It's for you to take your next step in your faith walk every single time. And guess what? Some point, some point when you grow because of that, you get to do that for others. You grow in your leadership. It's for you. So join a community group. I get your struggles. I get your lack of time. But you have to make this a priority because impossible it is for you to not face a stumbling block. But I don't want you to hear it just from me. I want you to hear from one of our very own. Uh, this is Caitlin Fronberger. My name is Caitlin Fronberger, and my family and I found Northridge the Sunday after Easter of 2021. It was an immediate fit for us. We felt welcome. We felt like family. Our kids took well to the volunteers. Um, so we wanted to get more involved, and we joined a community group in July. And we were nervous about it at first just because we're not from Milledgeville originally, but it turned out to be the best thing we ever did to have a community of people who are in the same stage of life that you're in, they understand your struggles, and they can point you to Jesus. Um, I also joined a mom's group, and again, I was nervous that you know I would be judged for my parenting style or some of the things I might be asked to share in that group. Also, one of the best things I ever did to be surrounded by a group of women um, who, again, point me to Jesus, point me to Scripture, and encourage me in my daily struggles. Northridge has touched us deeply, and this is home. If you're nervous about joining a group, I say take messy action and just jump in. 
It can be nerve-wracking at first, but the benefit outweighs the cost. I love that. Take messy action. Jump in. You have to be a part of a group. Look, our spring community groups start next week. Now is the perfect time to join a group. Right now, here's the thing. If my numbers are right, only about 40% of you are in a group. That's not good enough. Because you need this. Because you need it, and because it's so important, we have made it so easy for you to join. Like, I don't think I can make this any easier for you. There are sheets on every other chair in this room. You go to the hub, you can join on the hub. If you go out to the Welcome Center that's out there, if you go onto our website, you can join from there. If you are online, go to our website, find a group. Here's the thing, you need to be in community. You need to be in community. You've been in, I've heard this excuse, I've tried community groups and I didn't like it. Here's the thing, you, you had a bad haircut once, right? You didn't, you, you went and found a new barber, right? A new stylist. You had a bad doctor you didn't like. You didn't stop going to the doctor, did you? You found a new doctor. Here's the thing, the majority of our groups at Northridge are great. They might not all be a great fit for you, so try another one. Try another one until you find the community of people that fit you because you need this. You need this. I don't want to hear the story about back in 1997, somebody said something mean to you. It is time for you to put on your big boy pants and get into a group. Like, I'm not joking. Like, this is so important to me. If I had a magic wand and I could wave it over this room, the one thing I would do is get everybody into a group because it is so important for you. Because it is for you. Community is for you. In fact, it is so important that Christ died for community. Christ died for community. As we're transitioning to our time of communion, it is impossible to look at at the Bible and not understand that Christ died for the community. Like we so often come to this moment and we think, oh, it's all about me. It's quiet meditation and, and me, me, me. No, like, let me read to you what Paul says to the elders in in Ephesus. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock from which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And then he wrote to them later in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ died for you to have this community of people that will care for you, that will come around you and be the support that you need in the good times and the bad times. He died for this. So as you take communion today, my, my prayer is, is that you look around, that you be cognizant of the community that's in this room right now. If you're in a community group, man, give thanks to God for that community that he has placed you in and the, the, the change that is affected in your life. And if you're not in a community group, man, I pray that this time challenges you to find the community that he died for because it's so important. It is so important. After I pray, you can find communion at the different stations around the room. You can partake when you're ready. Let's pray. God, I am am just grateful for you. God, that you would die for me, but God, that you would die for the church, the ecclesia, the community that you knew was for 
my good. So God, as we remember your death, God, we pray that you challenge us anew. Whichever way that you choose, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.